are recording, and you can go ahead and uh, you have to press play whenever you're ready. Well, we have to go back to the beginning. It is. I, it is. I moved it back. Yeah, all you have to do okay. is hit the button on the bottom, the space bar. Okay, so... Just hit the space bar, the button on the bottom. Space bar. Space bar. Space bar, right, right here. That's the space bar. Sorry. That's a button. <laughs> it's not back at the beginning. Now it is. <laughs> hello! Hello, hello! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Christian, what the hell did you do that I can't seem to figure out? I don't know, but from last time there was still a... <laughs> hey, Christian. In, in, yeah, hey, Steve. Yeah, just press the space bar, mate. It's not just a button. <laughs> <laughs> it's not back at the beginning. There you go. <laughs> right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Crypticast. Uh, today we have brought back Stephen Douglas Craig. And uh, before we go ahead and bring Steve on, we're going to go ahead and uh, go through his bio real quick. Uh, uh, by the way, I am Mark Ritchie, award-winning filmmaker, and this is my partner. Christian Stavrakis, also an award-winning filmmaker <laughs> for the same film. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Douglas Craig began his career in Brisbane, Brisbane Australia, where he, received his, <laughs> where he received his BFA in theater and film studies at the Queensland University of Technology. Um, after moving to the United States, Steve attended the American Film Institute, also known as the AFI Conservatory, where he received his uh, MFA in screenwriting. He currently works in production and acquisitions at Sony Pictures Worldwide Acquisitions, having in the past worked on such high-profile films as the 2013 Evil Dead remake, the Insidious Horror franchise, uh, among many others. On the screenwriting side of his professional life, Steve has writing credits on such television shows as the current CBS smash hit Hawaii Five-0, uh, and has written several pilots and has two feature film scripts currently in the development stages. He also recently went live with his new website, thenewscreenwriter.com, uh, through which uh, he coaches screenwriting to those willing to put in the hard hours. And he provides development consultancy to indie producers and filmmakers. And the elements and structure inherent in the philosophy behind the new screenwriter is, again, what we are going to focus on in this podcast. Steve, welcome back. Guys, this is becoming a habit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we're we're ja- we're jazzed to have you, man. Uh, I'm kind of excited about this. My uh, when when and it's, I think the same goes for Chris. When we first started out, yeah, I'm uh, kind of excited about this too. Yeah, when we first started out, that's how you broke into the system. You wrote a script. When both of us did, we wrote scripts, and and uh, that was kind of our foot in the door. And so for for us, the you know this kind of reminds us of the, the struggles and trials and tribulations of uh, of what we experienced when we first started dreaming about breaking into Hollywood. But I want to thank you again for coming back. I know you have an extremely busy life. You've got two kids, a wife, uh, you know, a screenwriting career that gets you up at four o'clock in the morning uh, every day, and we're going to talk about that as well as working at Sony Pictures. But let's go ahead and dive right in. I want to go ahead and start with. The first major component of writing, which is inspiration. And I want to start off quoting Christopher Nolan from a recent L.A. Times interview that he did, where he stated the following. It has to be about the story. The longer I do this, I realize it's got to be about your own emotional attachment to the story, and it's got to be a film that you stand by and you're proud of, whatever happens to it. And I think it's safe to say the same about any artist, really. I mean, if you're going to invest hours upon hours of your life to create a work of art, you better have something to say when it's all done. So, Steve, tell us about these first steps in the writing process. Tell us how you find inspiration, how your fellow writers that you keep in touch with from your AFI days find inspiration, and perhaps even how writers that you have met while working at Sony Studios connect with their muses. That's a great question. Um, it's very difficult to talk. It's very difficult to talk about how someone else approaches it. I know how I approach it. And um, when you're in the a studio system, usually when we get scripts or we're working on projects, they've already gone through this particular stage. You know, a writer has come up with something, and and we're already working on it way in, way after it's been created. But for me, as a writer, you know, it's. It's, it's a wonderful quote, and it just tells you what kind of a person Christopher Nolan is and what kind of an artist he is. You know, I saw Dunkirk recently. I mean, he's one of the very few purists still left who really, when he creates a piece, you have to see it in the cinema. He's a cinematic director. 
and you can pretty much tie that to any of his work. But I, I do love this quote. Uh, it is about the story and it is about what connects with you. You know, I, I have a folder with hundreds and hundreds of ideas. And what I find is when I'm writing something down, if it doesn't stay with me, you know, two or three years later, I'm probably deleting it anyway. And, and it's hard to, to say that there is a process or there is a way, a general way for someone to do it. I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of listening to other podcasts. I do a lot of audiobook listening. I try to soak myself in as much reading and listening to other stories, to nonfiction as I can. I try to be as informed as I can. But also being uh, someone who is a horror thriller writer, I try to watch as much as I can. And, and try to see what's what's out there. But what I don't do is I don't try to write a story or to create something based on something else I've seen. You know, you can try and keep up with the machine all you like, but it's just a treadmill effect. You know, it just goes round and round and round. And, and what was cool today is not going to be cool tomorrow. So all I have as inspiration is me and what stories I like, you know, and inside that idea... You know, what what character inspires me to write that script? You know, I I do have to emotionally connect to the story. I do have to care about those characters when I create them, and 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 we can get into the whole idea of something of a, a main character being likable. Um, I think that's that idea is a little ancient history. Um, you know, we've had too many great antiheroes that have become lead characters, and you still end up rooting for them anyway. And that is just great craft from, you know, from a writer, you know, from someone like Walter White in Breaking Bad, you know, to, you know. Gran uh, Torino. Yeah. Yeah, Gran Torino, Taxi Driver. Yeah. You know, F Falling Down, for instance. I love Falling Down, Joel oh, Schumacher. Yeah. That's one of my yeah. favorite films. <laughs> and when you look at the Michael Douglas character, he is a reprehensible human being. <laughs> but, which is, which is an easy way to look at that character. But when you really look at it, the way that that character is crafted, we get his point of view. And his point of view is, is that the world is crap, okay? Why does it have to be this way? He asks questions we all ask. So there's an identity there, you know? And 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 if you write from that perspective of, of having characters answer those questions and creating questions for those characters and look to answer them in the story, you really do, you will find an audience that will connect with that character, whether it's, you know, whether it's Travis Bickle or whether it's, you know, um, whether it's Mary Poppins, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, ultimately, it's that identification with the emotional track that that character is on. And, and I always create from there. Steve, I, not to interrupt you because you're on a roll and, and this is uh, dynamite information, but I, wanna, I want to <clears throat> I want to talk about you have, I think, somewhere in the, in the realm of 14 or 15 scripts that you've completed over the last mm -hmm. eight some years. And I am sure that you've kind of noticed a difference in your earlier writing compared to your, your writing in the latter years and in, in, in the more uh, recent years. Um, but I don't want to necessarily talk about how your writing has improved per se, because I'm sure it does. Every writer that practices, you know, you practice a craft long enough, you get better at it. But have you noticed that in your earlier scripts, you noticed a little bit of yourself, say, in the storyline or, or that you were using something from within to kind of convey words onto the page as opposed to what you're doing in the latter half of your career now, where perhaps you're reaching for inspiration in other areas? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think if you go, if I was to go back and look at those other scripts, I will find a piece of myself in in every character. You know, you you tend again because you are focused on on connecting with those characters as strongly as you can from an emotional, you know, and from a craft perspective as well. It's fine to emotionally connect with a story or a character while you're building it and while you're creating it, but eventually you are going to have to also craft that piece as well. And for me, there's a little bit of separation there as well when it comes to crafting. Normally the outline for me is very much about blurting out and getting inside the character's head and creating those strong biographies where I can look at the character, try to understand them from other characters' points of view that I create, you know, the supporting roles, other points of view. But at the same time, once you get into the script stage, you are going to have to do some crafting. 
And then after that, you have the polishing stage for me, which is where I go back to that emotional connection and I really make sure that that's still strong, even though I've just applied, you know, all of the rewriting, the the, the dialogue, the transitions from scene to scene, you know, the scene. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but I think for me, my writing has got stronger because if you write every day and you find that time, whether it's 30 minutes or whether it's three hours, to really sit down and force yourself to read, write, whatever it is, you can only get better. You know, and there, de- there are degrees of better, of course. Um, you know, one of the, my first, one of my, I think my second screenplay that I ever wrote was my first year of the American Film Institute. And uh, it was a romantic comedy. And I'll never understand why, but uh, <laughs> I, I. But you know what? I had this idea for this character, you know, and I searched each genre, going, where can I explore this? You know, this tragic reality TV character who was just a bumbling idiot producer, who was trying to make his way in the world under the eye of a of a of a very very tyrannical successful father, and he wanted his own, kind of like you know. Donald Trump Jr. in a way, but, but uh, you know, he, he wanted to be a reality producer and he wanted his own, you know, and he, he gets involved with this girl who's only got half a leg and she's a nurse who runs this, this, uh, this outpatient program in this hospital and he ends up, you know, falling for her at the same, tri- same time as he's using her to try and make this documentary about you know, people who are who who don't have any all of their limbs. You know, <laughs> and it's basically it's this love story set inside this kind of uh, you know program, and I I I wrote it. I I loved the characters. My teacher at the time's name was Len Schrader, and he wrote Kiss of the Spider Woman. Oh, wow. uh, tremendous writer, Paul Schrader's brother, mm-hmm. who, who wrote Taxi Driver, and and I um. I finished the screenplay. You know, he gave me notes all through the year. I finished the screenplay. And at the end of the year, he handed me back the script and he goes, you know, good characters. Where's the fucking antagonist? Excuse my French. <laughs> yeah, there's no antagonist in here. You, you have no, there's no conflict. And and that, and from that moment, I I realised that, I had connected with the story. I knew the characters, but I still had no craft. I had no way of really, of really finding a deeper way into telling the story and and showing the characters the way it should be. Um, and and from there, I think I've I've had more classes. I've had a chance to have a tremendous amount of mentors over the year, uh, the years from you know, my second year mentor all the way through to, you know, working at Sony and and even AFI, guys I went to AFI with who still read my work and give notes. Um, you know, you just get better the more you write and you get better the more you read. It's really important to read screenplays or short stories or anything. And, and look at how they're crafted. You know, if you have a favourite film or you have a favourite uh, TV show even, get the script for that show. And sit down and break it down and have a look how they're manipulating you. Have a look at the, the point of view of the character. You know, how is that character being built through the film? You know, what's happening at, at, at the 20 to 30 minute mark? Is there a big turn? You know, what's the, what's the inciting incident? What is that first moment in the first 10 minutes that really, boom, there's your story? Because usually the first 10 minutes, you're meeting the character, you're, you're, you're thrust into the world, you know, and, and you're setting the tone of what this is going to be. But around the 10 to 15 minute mark, you should have that big boom of where it's like, oh, now here's the story. This is what the, this is what the conflict is. Now, how, how much do you have to concentrate or find yourself concentrating on structure, Steve, when you're writing a screenplay? Do you just do a first draft to write to get the story down and sort of out of your head and then go back and tweak it to to make it fit some sort of structure or do you think do you find the structure just sort of falls in uh, organically no i that's not who i am unfortunately i am tragically an organizer um, <laughs> i i i like structure but i also believe that there's a lot of work out there that operates outside of structure you mm-hmm. know but again you know, if you're going to work outside of structure, you must know what that structure is. Yeah. And uh, for me, I am a chronic outliner. I, I love to outline. Um, it's the outline for me is important for many reasons. One, it helps me find each each uh, what I call big beat or each mm-hmm. you know each uh, 
of those really big moments. Yeah. So, you know, you got your inciting incident, you've got the end of your first act, you've got that little minor twist between the midpoint and the first act, something that kind of is a victory for the character, maybe not. And then your midpoint is that boom, you know, that like it, it twists everything in a different direction, yeah. whether it's the character, whether it's good, whether it's bad, it doesn't matter. And then it propels us into the end of the second act. So, so I like to know as much as possible what each one of those beats is, including the end, if I can. Now, that doesn't mean that I stick to that rigidly because mm -hmm. what I do is then allow myself while I'm constructing the outline for things to change, to find new things. You know, mm -hmm. um, I also use the outlining process to help build my characters. You know, I, I, I do buy I do biographies for my characters a little bit, mm -hmm. but I find that the storytelling inside the outline really helps me find those characters, yeah, um, and and their voices and and who they might be talking to, which means I get to find supporting characters. Right. You know, sometimes they end up on the cutting room floor. Sometimes they become bigger characters. You know, um, but I I definitely outline, and my outline usually starts with trying to find those really big beats inside the structure themselves you know um so i, I i'm not an organic writer I, and i know there are a lot out there you know that, that that work that way it's not wrong it's just not the way i work and it's certainly not the way that i would want someone i'm teaching to learn so you you start you start out with the big landmarks yes uh, to, to use a turn of phrase and then and then sketch in the landscape in between or the events that take place from event to event yeah absolutely you know um there are, you know, if you go into the old structure where you have a, a 120 page script, mm -hmm. for instance, right, which is a long script these days, you know, yeah. any, any producers see anything over 110, they're like, oh, crikey, <laughs> you know, it's better be Aaron Sorkin. But I think in general with a 120 page script, and you can fudge it a bit, but uh, as I said, if, if your inciting incident hasn't happened in the first 10 minutes, then, then it's probably going to run too long. But, uh, I try to find those, you know, in that when we begin the script, when we open the script to that first 10 pages, you know, you might have three or four scenes or more. And then so what I do is I'll create little little bullet points in between the inciting incident and the 30 page, yeah, the, the 30 page mark, the end of the first act. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll just see where the story takes me. That's when I that's when I'm a little more organic. You know, because what I'm allowing myself to do is if I've got a I've got a signpost, you know, yeah. I call them signposts. I've got a signpost that ends that first act. Yeah. Right. I can see where I'm going. I see where I need to be in the story at that moment. So from the inciting incident through there, I try to play with the story. I said I keep the tone going and I really put uh, a little bit of pressure on my main character to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't get there, I also allow the if something bigger happens. You know, I might look at pushing that end of the first act into a minor twist. Mm -hmm. So the outline is really where I play. But at least when I start with the uh, the signposts, I, I kind of know what my story is. That's sort and, of the skeleton of the story. Yeah, and where, where it looks like it's going to end and how I want it to end. Sometimes I create two or three endings, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I that's the way I do it then. And then I fill in that outline and I rewrite the outline. Like I'll rewrite the outline over and over like a spiral. So by the time I get to the end of the outline, I've probably mm. rewritten all of it about 15 to 20 times. Mm. So that's an extensive process for me. And how many pages is your typical outline? I mean, uh, when we say outline, you're like a treatment, you know, just kind of paragraph yeah. with a little bit of dialogue and detail in between. Well, a treatment's a little different. A yeah. treatment is, is more scene creation. So mm -hmm. an outline is just bullet pointing in a lot of oh. ways. You're, you're getting the idea of the story. This happens, this happens, this happens, and then this happens, and then we get this, and then this happens. Uh -huh. A treatment, you're kind of, is the next phase. You're kind of you in take, the creative stage. Huh? Yeah, you then do the slug lines, and then yeah. you start filling in what the scene is, who's in it, what they're saying. You're not creating the scenes yet, but you're you're creating what it is. You know? gotcha. Not to interrupt you guys, but but uh, Steve, you're you're somewhat focusing on screenwriting. Well, uh, mm -hmm. film writing, I should say, uh, yeah. because now you know the, the screen can be uh, the size of a phone. But 
I want to talk a little bit about uh, structure and formatting the, in, the, in the difference between what sure. we can still call TV and, and film. Because when it comes to writing in the, in the you know, entertainment industry in the 21st century, the sky's the limit. We have films of all lengths and structures, scripted television shows, miniseries, sitcoms, and so forth. Talk a little bit uh, while we're on this topic about the differences in formats that writers are going to experience between TV and film, really, where does the difference lie now? Is is does film seriously have just one primary structure, but TV, you know, the sky's the limit? What what's what are we what are young writers going to encounter in the industry right now? Well, I think you know uh, the t in the TV industry, especially, you know, uh, the old way of doing things is is done. You know, uh, there, there is still network television. There are still those network structures of screenplays where you, you have five or, or however many commercial breaks and you you have to write to to that particular structure. So, you know, each each uh, each sequence as it begins and then up to a, a commercial is like a mini movie where you are climaxing to bring people back from commercials. But then you have the cable networks now who aren't required to do that. So those screen those scripts are different. You know, you you have sometimes fifty-two minute episodes. You might also get your Game of Thrones, which are an hour and ten minutes sometimes. You know, uh, and you are in some of the British models are an hour and twenty minutes. You know, mm-hmm. because they don't do ten episodes; they do three or four. Yeah. So they are making little mini movies, and all those structures are different. The way I kind of approach it is, I like the seven act structure of a network TV because. I don't have to necessarily put the ad break in, but what that does help me do is build a story up to a, you know, a climax and then bring it down again, a climax and bring it down again. And so you are getting that same kind of undulation that you get with a network TV script and and it does keep peaking. So you, you do have those big moments inside a, a TV script, even though, you know, on, on HBO and that they're, they're running it between 50 minutes to an hour. You know, but you're still getting those USA shows like Queen of the South and those that are 42 minutes long, and they're putting ad breaks in them. Because not only are these things running on TV now, they are running on streaming. And on streaming, in order to pay for it, you're going to have to put ad breaks in, you know. So you're still still writing to that. You know, you're still writing to that um, that particular style. And that's why, you know, some people do five-act structures, you know, uh, and I, I, you know, I like the five-act structure too, but it is very different to writing film in that you, you don't have to write to those commercial breaks, but those signposts that I was talking about, you know, they, they almost operate like that in a, in a longer sense. You are still climaxing to a certain twist or emotional change or a big plot point change in your, in your, in your script, depending on what genre you're writing in. So there are some similarities, but writing for TV is very different because your stories sometimes are going over 10, 13, 10 to 13 hours, huh. you know, and that's what you're writing for. So they are very different. And, and uh, it's, it's usually not just one writer either. The isolation on a, you know, unless you're writing with a partner, but, but uh, the isolation of writing a film is very different to writing TV. TV's a lot more collaborative. Um, uh, than than feature film certainly, but I think in the writing aspect of it, again, if you're going to write for television, you should be reading TV scripts and you should be watching television. You know, um, I read a lot of books in the beginning, but there's nothing like doing it. You know, and there are yeah. some great, there are some there are some uh, some really great TV shows out there that you know from people like Vince Gilligan. You know, the, um, uh, Aaron Korsh, who, who uh, created and writes for Suits on USA. It's a pheno- that is a phenomenal show, and it's a phenomenal show. It's, a f- it's, my, t- it's my time up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, we're having an air raid. It's I forgot to turn my lights off. It's what? Dunkirk. You, it's Dunkirk. Are you watching Dunkirk? <laughs> <laughs> watching Dunkirk while I'm talking. Um, but, yeah, no, no look, uh, that's, this is the way that I've become better as a writer. I write. And I listen to my instinct, you know, I know what genre I love and I listen to the stories that come to me and I, I try to see if they fit. And the only way to do that is to sit down and write them. I've gotten through, there's at least four or five or six other uh, outlines I've started that I trashed because they, I just couldn't make them work. 
I, I actually couldn't make them work the way that I wanted to. So they're all half finished. Yeah. Um, and, and that happens too. And you have to, you have to be, you have to know that you have to know that something's not going to work. That, that sort of falls into our next question. And I, we're going to veer into the next topic here, which is the writing process. And I'm going to start this one, uh, this section off with a, with a quote as well. Uh, in, in the book, The Making of the Empire Strikes Back, writer-director Lawrence Kasdan said that the writing part of it is always the hardest part of filmmaking. Almost anyone can direct. They won't necessarily direct well, but the machinery works. You can take someone off the street and put them with an experienced crew, and the movie will get made. But writing can't be faked. It doesn't run itself. It has to be worked out very specifically, word for word, image for image. And the biggest hurdle when it comes to writing is typically completing a script, which is why I wanted to get into this because you just talked about trashing, you know, five or six different mm. outlines. In our previous conversation in Crypticast Series 1, uh, I mentioned the fact that Quentin Tarantino claims that he began writing roughly 30 scripts from the seventh grade to his early 20s before he actually completed his first. Um, and this is one of the best Hollywood screenwriters in the history of the business. And even he's struggling to find discipline, you know, to keep pounding away at the keyboard. So I'd like to ask you to kind of go back to your, to your university days at the AFI, Steve. What was some of the wisdom passed down regarding the discipline required to achieve success in this field? Because I don't know how you get up every morning at 4 o'clock and write for two, three hours before you start your workday. That's beyond – that's insanity to me. That's beyond discipline. <laughs> I, I just don't know how you get up every morning at four o'clock. <laughs> uh, I I'm I have a lot of therapy. Uh, <laughs> I'm a very good therapist. No, you know, look, this is the other thing, and God bless Lawrence Kasdan for that, right? Because uh, I I do work in an industry where I believe that uh, you know you get this ninety to a hundred page document that someone has poured blood, sweat, and tears over. And I work in a, in a studio system that has very little regard for that at times. Uh, there's, a, there's a disconnect between the studio executive and the creative sometimes. Um, now, look, uh, some of the scripts that I've seen are just, they're not good. They're just not good. And, and, and I've seen scripts, you know, where uh, there's no structure. I don't know how they're getting to us. <laughs> you know, uh, they, suck, they just, you know, they just know people. But, um, but look, I think ultimately, you know, it, writing can't be faked. The hard work and discipline it takes to sit down every day like that. I do it because I love it. I really do love it. If someone was to pay me to write 16 hours a day, I, I, I'm ready to do it. I went to grad school and, and, and to be honest at uh, AFI, you do work in a bubble. You are protected there. You know, I'm, I'm not forced to make it in the industry at the AFI. So we are we attend we were t attending development classes where, you know, you're required to come in with a certain amount of pages every week, and if you don't, then you're not going to finish your degree. So, so in, to a certain degree, it, it's kind of a bubble. You meet people there who are also still writing. You meet people there like my mentor Anna Thomas, who's just a tremendous lady very talented, very tough, uh, and a great teacher. You know, she's currently the head of screenwriter or acting head of screenwriter at the AFI. And she was a tremendously tough lady. Uh, I, I, I adore her. I still see her a lot. Um, but she is the one that instilled the discipline in me. And, and frankly, I had a lot of discipline anyway. You know, it's always been, I come from a pretty blue collar background, you know, in struggle, there's strength. And, and, you know, the gift you're given to be able to write is nothing without the work. It, it just isn't. 95% of, of, you know, being able to finish a screenplay is just hard work, forcing yourself to sit down when you don't want to, forcing yourself to set your alarm at 4am and not turn it off before you go to bed. Um, it, it's just, you know, it's hard sometimes, you know. I try to cut myself a break every now and then. You know, I do have two little kids I can't be falling asleep on them all the time because they'll wake you up very quickly. <laughs> um, so I do try to be sensible about it um, because you you do need sleep. But at the same time, there is a discipline there. If you really want this and you want to do it, um, you, you have to do it every day, you know. Um, otherwise, it's just impossible. I already know, you know, there's quite a few people I went to AFI with who, who don't do it anymore. 
And that doesn't mean to say they're not doing something else. You know, uh, there's people that are working in studios, you know, do, doing marketing, for instance, or they found a uh, documentary, you know, working as a documentary producer, which is still writing, but but they've moved on to other other areas and they don't write anymore, not, not like I do. And I totally get it because, uh, you know, I'm about to hopefully at some point, you know, um, I've got a script that's very far along right now and that's taken me nine years of writing, hmm. you know, to get to that point. If you're not in it for the long haul, don't do it. Do, do something else. But you really have to love telling stories and I've always told stories. I may not be Quentin who's been writing since he was seventh grade. You know, that's not me. I came to screen writing a little later, but I came through the theatre. You know, I've been telling stories as an actor and a director and a fight director in theatre uh, since I was 19 years old. You know, so I've always been involved in storytelling. And this just happens to be, you know, the screenwriting is just something I love doing. Uh, I love it. So, Which leads us to thenewscreenwriter.com. Mm which is sort of the spine of this conversation. And uh, I'm going to let you kind of spend the next 15 minutes taking us through one of your online packages step by step. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say a writer has signed up. Now, the, the, the newscreenwriter.com is a, is a website that Steve has just uh, recently put together, and it is for script coaching. Uh, not script doctoring, and I'm going to have Steve explain the difference. But, uh, Steve, let's say a writer has signed up for one of your full packages online. Right. How do you guide a writer through the process of recrafting or perhaps even drafting and composing a stellar script? And don't worry about pitching and selling actors and managers and copyright protection. We're going to get into that in about 15 minutes or so. Sure. Right now, I just want to focus on that package. I'm signing up. All right. What do I do next? Well, for me, what I wanted to do was I wanted something where at some point I would like, I, I wanted to teach, you know, um, and, and I like that. I mean, getting getting your script to someone like Aaron Sorkin or John August or, you know, even, you know, Catherine Bigelow or Susanna Grant or anyone of that level, they, they just don't have time to read your script and spend time with you. And there are other websites you can go to where you can, if you've already written a script, you can go and you can submit it and pay your ninety to a hundred dollars, and you know some intern or whatever will will read your script for a certain amount of money and then give you feedback. If you just want coverage, I I just I wanted something where I can take someone one on one, and they know they're getting to me. Then they'll have my email. We'll do Skype sessions, and I can help people build a story. And it doesn't matter if you have a few years experience or it doesn't matter if you just want to start out. What I wanted to do was just guide people through what it's going to take to create a screenplay. And, and if you go online to the newscreenwriter.com, um, there is an opportunity to do a free consult, which is the first thing. You know, I'll get on Skype or the phone with you and we'll talk about what you want to achieve, what you have. You, you may think you've already done an outline, a treatment, and you just want to go straight to script, you know, and we can have a look at that and, you know, if you're up for it, I can take a look and I'll tell you where you do fit in. You know, if you do have a solid outline, you can go straight to the script menu. So basically it's a menu, it's a menu board. Um, and inside the story outline treatment, you, you have three phases. Um, there's scene one, which is from chaos to order. There's scene two, which is order to structure. And there's scene three, structure to script. And what I've done is I've taken the outline and treatment process and I've split it into three groups. So basically if, if you go into scene one from chaos to water, you know, you might have a coffee stained napkin or a post-it or something with a, an idea that won't leave you alone. You think it's a great idea. Well, we can, we can beat that out, you know, and in this phase, what you will create is a big beat outline or those signposts, as I said. Um, and, and I'm going to advise you and provide templates on how to do that and what should be included. And then you're going to do it. You know, you're going to actually go through and, and, and ask yourself those questions. And I will be on the end of the email. If you do have questions, that we're also going to create some main character biographies. You know, who is your main character? What, what's the main point of view? And you can have dual points of view. That does exist. When you get into multiple points of view, it gets very, it gets tricky, especially for a new screenwriter. But, 
we're going to do, we would deal with that in the first phase. And we'd also like come up with some log lines for the story, but mostly that's the first, that's what you're going to go through with your first scene. It takes all that chaos and the idea and it puts it into a structured signpost outline, which are just the big beats as we discussed. Your scene two is auditor structure. So you have those big beats. Now what we're going to do is we're going to try and get from one signpost to the next. And we do that by filling, filling in what the story is, who else is in the story, what's the tone, what happens next, what happens next. Don't have to be too rigid with it because you're going to rewrite this quite a few times. But I'll also guide you through some of the tricks of the trade of going from signpost to signpost and how to avoid pitfalls of getting on this tangential story and you just get lost. Um, one of the best ways of doing that is sticking to your main point of view and your main character, what's happening to your main character. So we'll extend the outline, okay? And then what will happen when you finish that extended outline, I will give you story development notes based on that outline. So you'll submit the outline to me and I'll give you a story development note like a, like an executive would um, or like a, an AFI mentor would. Okay, and then and after each stage, we'll do a Skype session and we can talk about the next phase. Are you ready? And you don't have to do these straight away. You're not required to go, okay, I'm finished this one. Do I have to do it now? No, you don't. Um, I, I wanted to create a menu-based system where people can do this at their own pace and when they are financially able to, you know, and that's that's the thing you don't get to do at grad school. you got to pay all your money up front and then go with whatever it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, one day I'll pay it off. And then we have scene three, which is structure to script. So what we're doing now is we're taking the outline that we've created and we're going to turn it into a treatment, which means we're going to break or we got, you know, you might lose beats in the outline. So we're going to basically, we're going to do it scene by scene and you're going to create this slug line and then you're going to create what's happening in that scene based on your outline. You're going to lose some of the story. You might lose a character. Um, you might get rid of a character and see them as unnecessary. We're still willing to find all of these great things in the story, you know, and to, to add and subtract as we go along. So it's just breaking the outline down into a full treatment. Um, you know, we might add some scenes that we find. Uh, once you've done that, that part of the work, I will then give you more story notes on what's working and what isn't working before we go to script, you know, and we might do a Skype session at the beginning of this and one at the end just to see where you sit. And then from here, it's into the script phase. You know, if we're happy with what we've got, we go into the script phase. Now, the first phase of that in the menu, scene one is called just spit it out, right? This is, uh, this is, I think you mentioned before, Christian, this is the organic section of it, <laughs> you know, where, in, in a way. But it's not organic because I've just made you complete a, a full outline. Right. Um, so in that, in that sense, I have a little bit of control and we do have a little bit of control and we're not getting too lost because we can see where we're kind of going. And in this one, basically, we'll start with a Skype session, then we'll talk about the outline, and then you're going to start building um, your outline, uh, your treatment, into fully fleshed dialogue-driven or action-driven or depending on what, what kind of genre you're doing, um, a script, basically. You're going to start writing the scenes out. You're going to start writing description. You're not going to be too hard on yourself. You're just going to take those pieces of the treatment, put it into your formatting software, whether it's final draft or whether it's final draft or whether it's final draft, <laughs> final draft. Um, yeah, I'm not being paid by final draft, but it's just my favourite. I've tried a couple of others. Um, and you're going to start building it into that. Don't be too tough on yourself. You're just, all you're doing is taking the treatment and building it into a screenplay format. We'll do that. Um, and then in scene two of this particular section, um, it's called the sculpting. So basically what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the craft. Um, you know, you'll still be, you'll, you'll still be like in a land of bliss from having finished your first pass on the script <laughs> until I then tell you that the work has just <laughs> begun. Um, and then you're going to start really working dialogue. We'll start looking at scene transitions, tone, and then we'll start looking at where your big beats are falling. Did they end up on that page that we talked about? If they didn't, why? Does it matter? Okay, so we get to start to talk about that part of it. And then I'm going to give you, once you've done that, um, a, a round two of, of script development notes. And this is where I'll get my skull and crossbone stamp out. And I start to become more like my own development teacher. 
um, because this is where we really do have to look at, you know, how do we transition between scenes? Is it smooth? What, and, and most, where I find most of the problems with scripts are that third act, because everything we've set up in that first act has to be paid off in that third act somewhere. You know, we can't leave things hanging out there. So we really start to look at the structure of a script and the structure of your story. And we're still kind of willing to cut things if they're not working. We've got this great action sequence. It's so cool, man. Well, you know what? It doesn't serve your main character. You know, it's got to go. And and so that's one of, that's one of the hardest things to do if you've come up with this really cool thing. And, and my advice is if your brain's telling you something really cool has just gone into your script, you want to take a good, long, hard look at it. Uh, because the chances are it probably shouldn't be in there. It really is. It really is. And uh, I, I, I always leave it until the last pass. I'll leave something in there and I'll leave something in there. And then my friend Matthew, who is a guy from AFI who reads my scripts, will go, you know, this doesn't work, don't you? And uh, I'll go, yeah. And then I'll cut it. And I, and then I'm, I brood for a couple of days. But, but that's, that's the importance of really looking at a script and a story and what's working and what's not working. And that's what we'll do in this particular area, the sculpting. That's really where we look at the craft and, and that kind of thing. Then our last, fa- last phase of this particular is varnishing the clay. So this is something where, you know, we've polished, we've, we've got it to where it's, it's kind of finished. We're not adding, we're not subtracting. Now is where we really have to look at the structure. We have to look at spelling. We have to look at effective transitions. I've, I've seen so many scripts that have got the C, wrong, ca- wrong spelling, spelling, spelling <laughs> grammar, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And really starting to pare stuff down, overwritten description. You know, if your description is going longer than four lines, you got to take a good look at it. You know, more than four lines of description, it's, uh, it's tough to read, Yeah, you know. Exactly. So we're not writing a novel. Okay. And I will, I'm going to then at this stage, we'll have that Skype session. I'm going to go over the finish. And if, you know, if it's, if, if you would like me to, and I always leave this up to the student, I will go over the script with spelling, formatting and grammar, and I'll, I'll bring an editorial eye to it for you. While also pointing out what you're, what, what it is, you know, I'm not going to just fix it for you. I'm going to point out what you've missed and how easy it is to miss certain things because, you know, those things, uh, I know guys, I know producers, I know studio, studio executives who are very finicky. And again, if you're a new screenwriter and you're sending in something with spelling mistakes in the first three pages, you're screwed. And you, they're just going to say you have not taken enough time and care to look through this script, uh, so why should we? And and so they're the things, and, and that's my final phase. And from there, you know, from there you're you're on your own. I cut ties and I run. No, that's not, that's not true. That's not true. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I, you know, the beauty of this is I, I'm not setting this up to be, I'm not an agent. I'm not a manager. I'm not going to manage you. I'm not going to be your agent. I'm not someone who's going to start passing unsolicited work to producers. However, and this happened at AFI too to a couple of our students, you know, they wrote these screenplays and our mentors are very heavily tapped into the industry and they magically get to producers. So I'm, I'm not offering that, but I also I also have uh, a line to some some very big producers and agents. And if something's good enough, then there's no reason they shouldn't see it. But at the same time, that's not what this website offers. This website offers a chance for you to take that coffee stain napkin that you always wanted to write that story, and I'll take you through it. You know, menu by menu by menu. It's not going to be a short overnight success screenplay. You know, uh, I write a screenplay and sometimes it can, you know, I also work in production and I have two kids. So let's just throw that in there. But, you know, I, it can take me 10 months to a year sometimes to write a really good screenplay. And that's what it's going to take. It is, you know, look, and some, some are going to be more. I mean, if you're looking at really heavy research or biopics, that kind of thing can take forever. You know, and you have to be willing to it. Uh, one of my teachers at AFI, um, Gil Dennis, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, he wrote Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash, and uh, it took him seven years. And that's research, you know, spending time with Johnny and June. Uh, it was working with James Mangold, which can take a year in itself. Um, and, and, and he's a very a particular director. And so there's a lot of notes that go with that. And, and that particular project from the beginning to the end took seven years. 
from, from the first finished script. So again, it, that this website is all about getting these, getting someone and working with them from the ground up. Um, and it's going to take a while. And I'm going to be very upfront about that when we have our free consult. You know, this is going to take a while, but I'm here. And I want this website to be an experience where people can come and they can they can they can talk to me and work out what the best phase is for them to start at, you know, from the very beginner to the indie producer, which is the other tab that you'll see on the screen, is called full development. Now the full development page is their different packages for um, people that have really kind of already got a screenplay. They've, we've talked together. They already have an outline and a screenplay, and they're pretty set with it. Or they're a company that wants some work done on a script. You know, so the first one is a pitch package. One of the things I like to do um, is I, I always, when I'm writing a script, I always develop a lookbook as well, a visual treatment of the story. That helps me, and I do that in a PowerPoint presentation format. That's something um, Mark likes to do too. Mark is, is very fond of putting uh, photographs or something in, a, in an outline for reference. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do that for TV Bibles as well. Yeah. You know, I have a TV series Bible that runs at about 35 pages right now. Um, and uh, and I have, you know, that and I have a lookbook with it. And in a lookbook, uh, generally, you know, you have the title page. I'll put a synopsis. I'll put a log line. I'll put a little bit of research if it's if it's that kind of project. And then I create a whole series of character slides. You know, here's my main character. Here's the description of that character. And then I'll create like a photo board. Sometimes it will have actors. Sometimes it will have just, you know, uh, rancid tow truck driver, you know, and I'll just Google that image. And these, these images I'll find are based on what's inside my head. So, it really is a create. It's almost a directorial thing, but it's just it's a way for me to to show someone that I'm giving it to what I'm thinking. Um, now they should get that from the script too, but but it's just something I like to do as well. So in this package, you know, I like to uh, to take someone's script. They might have a script, but they don't have a one page synopsis. They don't have a really solid log line, and they don't have a lookbook. So for that particular thing, I'll build that for them. And I'll also take a look at the script and give a, give a few notes. So you're actually getting into the, the final phase of our discussion, which is dealing with pitching and selling mm. and, and, and so forth. And, and before we go there and you continue with the development phase, you know, the one thing that I really, really enjoy is you, you speak the lingo. And a lot of young screenwriters, if they're, if they're, if they're not trained in the university setting, don't have any idea what the word lookbook means. Mm. They have no idea what a slug line is or a signpost. What the hell is that? You know? And so I, I, I think it's also for, for particularly for young writers out there who are, who cannot afford the university setting. This might be the perfect option for you because you're going to learn the world of screenwriting uh, by utilizing this website, by utilizing the packages that Steve has. Uh, I'm sure you've picked up, you know, writers that are listening have picked up uh, just a little here and there from listening to this that have intrigued them a little bit. Um, and that's what we're here to do. We're kind of here to wet everybody's whistle and say, look, there are options out there for young writers, um, but you can't risk just, you know, walking in and slapping your, your script on somebody's desk. That's just not the way it works, which leads us into the final section, which is pitching and selling and uh, agents and managers, mm. and copyright. So let's spend our last few minutes talking about what happens after a writer has completed their project or they have brought it to you for the development phase basically because the hope for all entertainment writers is that you know eventually you get a script picked up and and and, and then the big dream is that the, the director actually wants you on st on set uh, I recently was listening to uh, Steven Steven Soderbergh uh, uh, the behind the scenes commentary on Ocean's 11 which he did with Ted Griffin, the writer. And uh, he said to Ted, having a writer on set is kind of like having your parents around. And, and <laughs> Ted Griffin responded, then think of me as your parent. Um, because, you know, writers can be possessive of their of their work, their hard work, and they should be. Um, you know, they've labored countless hours to craft a story that means something to them. Uh, but the work doesn't stop there because the business of Hollywood is what we're now going to get into. So take us through these sort of final stages of this development process once my script is done, what are my options? Who do I talk to? How do I get noticed? 
Do I get an agent or a manager? Hell, what's the difference between the two? How do I protect myself? Yada, yada, yada. So you could go ahead and, and take it from there. First of all, I'll talk about, I'll go, I'll go forward a bit. I think the ones who become very successful, not all of them, are the people who understand that this is it, this is a collaborative business. Uh, you say that to a, a studio executive sometimes, they just gonna laugh at you. But but <laughs> I think in general, when you think about the creation of a screenplay, it, it the the really good ones are are collaborative. I come from the theatre, and if you're not going to be collaborative in the theatre, you may as well not do it. It is a collaborative medium where a whole group of artists with different special skills get together and then create a fantastic piece. And I, and I think in general, that's that's what I'm looking for when I write a screenplay. When I think it's, uh, you know, when I think it's ready, like the one that I've got that's getting close to being made, that is something where I got it to a point where I'd given it to several people, I'd taken notes, I'd rewritten, I got it to a point where I went, you know what, this is it, this is the draft that I like. But when I say that, that doesn't mean that I, it's the end because I know that from there you have a round of notes coming from development executives, from producers, from all kinds of people. You've got your director on board. If you're not the director, then you're going to get some notes there. So basically what you end up with is a blueprint for a film. It's something that people can work off to create the film. Um, and if you're lucky, then a lot of what you've written will stay in it. Generally, when you're a new screenwriter, you can look to getting a first rewrite and then fired, uh, and and that's the way that that works. But not and, and I'm being I'm being general, but in a lot of cases in the studio system, that that is what happens. You know, there are there are ends up being four or five different writers on it, and then they fight over credits, and and um and it, it sometimes it can get messy. But I think in general, if you're willing to collaborate, you know, and accept notes and at at a certain point when you're a new screenwriter, it's hard to know what note is, is useful and what is not. Uh, and that can, that can just come from experience and talking to a mentor or running the notes by someone that you trust. Um, but it also comes with really knowing your story. One of the things I learned at the American Film Institute in my first year was that so much changed in my second screenplay that I didn't or wasn't prepared for, prepared for because I didn't really know the story strong enough. I didn't know my characters well enough. I hadn't spent enough time really honing and honing the stories and the characters to know how to defend them. And, and that is important. If you send a script out that you're really not uh, 100% in tune with and know how to defend, then, then it's going to get torn apart and you're not going to get any say in it. I think once your script is done, what are your options? Um, a graduate degree in something else? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that, that's where the work really does begin. And, and this is where I think knowing people, um, you know, there are a couple of good competitions you can, you can enter. I, I don't generally like competitions that much. Not a big fan. Um, the final draft big break competition is a pretty reputable one because I know people who, who judge on it. Um, you know, the Austin Film Festival has a good rep representation, that screenplay competition. But in general, it really is going to be about cold calling people and trying to get someone to read your script. Now, do you need, do you need a manager and an agent? You don't need an agent. Um, if your script is good enough, an agent will eventually come sniffing around. Yeah. You do not need an agent because with an agent comes 10% of your wage. With a manager comes another 10%. And if they don't know their, their deal making, you've got to pay a lawyer another 5%. So you've just lost 25% of your paycheck. Now, the trick is getting in the door with your story if you don't have an agent or a manager. Is right. there a way around that? Uh, it can be tough. As I said, the, the competitions are usually pretty good. Those top competitions. Um, I think in general, you have to do, you have to look up. I mean, it's very easy to look up particular agencies. Um, there are smaller managers. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to send it to managers, I'm not going to send it to, you know, I'm not going to send it to, to the paradigm agency or anonymous content because they they don't really care. They've got enough to do without your script. You want to research a mid-level, mid to lower level manager, you know, and you can do that on IMDb Pro. 
And I suggest, I also suggest looking at your screenplay, what genre is it? What tone is it? Do your research on who's managing the writers of that same genre. For instance, you know, if you've written The Next Falling Down, you know, look up who manages Joel Schumacher or who used to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, then tr- and then query them, you know. Uh, and, and in your query, you include a logline, you know, and a basic introduction. We don't want to read a 10-page email. Not interested. Um, but be succinct and just query them. Now, sometimes those guys are always looking for new talent. People at the top level, like agents at CAA and William Morris and the Paradigm Agency and, you know, uh, uh, ICM, UTA, they're, not, they're, they're on the lookout too, but they're agents and they're looking to their managers to find them, right? They're the managers that work with agents. Mm-hmm. So um, managers are people, they just want to be producers. And so they're looking in a lot of ways. They are looking for a good script and a good filmmaker um, who they can, they can manage and also jump on board their projects to produce. You know, that that's a realistic part of it. That's what I would do. IMDb Pro is a good database to use when you first start out and you write a screenplay. Go on there and cross-reference the films you like, you know, and, and have a look at. I mean, I also have this thing called Studio System, but it's very expensive, um, and, and it's not something you should jump into. It's like $3,000 a year or something ridiculous. But uh, it, it, is a, it is a database full of cross-referencing. But you can do the same thing on IMDb Pro. Um, IMDb Pro is not a Bible. They do get it wrong every now and then. Um, but it will allow you enough scope to look at films similar to yours and then have a look at who's managing the writers of those particular um those particular genres and tones and and query them in an email. Generally, they'll provide an info email. The other way to do it is find out their assistant's name. Now, the assistants in this town are people who are trying to become their bosses. Uh, They want want to be the one to bring in that big script. They They want to bring in someone who's got that, who's the next writer, who's that next big thing. They're always looking. So don't make friends with the manager, make friends with the assistant. Mm. Um, and that's what, that's how I started out. You know, I became an assistant, but, you know, um, I could, you know, and they do change a lot. So, you know, you might ring up one day and go, hey, I've got this great script. And they go, send it. And then you send it next week and the guy was fired, <laughs> you know, and, and now there's someone else sitting on the desk. That happens a lot. Uh, people move on very quickly. It's very transient. But at the same time, don't call the the management companies and try to get to the manager. Just talk to their assistants. Say, look, this is I think this is a good script. Give them a little pitch about it. Maybe give them the log line, and just say, how about you read it? Why don't you read it for me? I don't I don't need your manager, you know. Um, and if they like it, they might decide to to give you notes, or they might say, hey, I'm going to show this to my boss. See what he thinks. Mm. So that's another way in. Don't don't sweat the agent or the manager. Sweat the assistant. Because yeah. they're, they're a young person like you, you know, or a new person like you just starting out, and they want that next big thing. They're hungrier. Uh, that would be another piece of advice I have, certainly. Uh, it, it is, look, it's tough. It's very tough. I, I live here, and I think in a lot of ways you have to live here if you want to get in on. I don't do a lot of, like, these mixers. Uh, I think they're a waste of time. They're usually populated by overdrunk interns. <laughs> Who, who who promise things they can't deliver. Now, that happens a lot. Uh, I have never been to a mixer here. I simply got a job in the industry. Another way to do it is if you're serious about being a professional writer, you might want to think about getting a job in the industry. And that doesn't mean Hollywood anymore. It could be New York. It could be Atlanta. Atlanta has a massive television industry down there. It could be anywhere like that that, that has, you know, and you can find out how big your industry is by what you did, Mark which is looking up your local, you know, um, your local film office, your local government yep. film office and find out what's around, you know, and, and maybe get a job in the industry as well where you can read scripts for free instead of buying them online, read scripts by, you know, uh, working for someone who gets them delivered to them all the time. Um, but it's, it's tough to get it in that way. Um, but I figure if you want to do it, you know, there are some options. You know, look up some major assistants. Look up who's who uh, the management companies are of the films you love. 
and that's films like yours. Try a couple of the top competitions, steer away, steer clear of most of them, to be honest with you. Uh, they're there to take your money and then just fund the next round of, of script competitions. Um, uh, but, that, you know, that's another reason I started The New Screenwriter is I, I, can, I can deliver a lot of this information. You know, I'm not going to promise I'll get it to anyone, but I can tell you ways to go and direct you on, on what you can do next. Which leads to my the last element here, which is how does one protect themselves? Mm. Um, and, and you know, talk a little bit about registering with the Guild and, and so forth. Um, this is a, gray, a very gray area. The stealing of ideas does not happen as often as the myth will tell you. It just doesn't. It doesn't happen at a very high level. There are some shady ones around and they operate on a general low level. I have not encountered a story being stolen. I have not seen uh, any kind of, I mean, you, you'll see you'll see squabbles over writing credits and things all the time. Uh, that happens all the time. That's usually associated with ego. But in general, uh, I always register myself with the Writers Guild because at least you have a registration certificate and you have an email stating that you have one. Uh, email chains are always a good idea. Protecting your idea is to assume that you've come up with a brand new idea. And, <laughs> and, and, and that simply just isn't the case. Most of the time, your ideas have already been done. What you want to try and do is put a different spin on it, you know, something we haven't seen on an old idea. Uh, most stories have already been told. They're just being told in, in different worlds, for instance. But uh, I think protecting yourself, look, if you really want to copyright something, then there are copyright protection agencies that you can do it at. You're going to pay for it. Um, I think the Library of Congress has has a copyright section that you can use. Um, but ultimately, I'm not, you know, I, I've never encountered it. And and I think after five years on the Writers Guild website, your your registration is deleted. Oh, so you really? need to re wow. You need to re-register your material every five years. Um, uh, I don't bother because I have this original certificate. I have emails associated with every draft of everything I've ever had, and I keep them all. I keep all the sent emails. I keep all of the emails I send of who I send it to. So I, I keep a fairly decent log. But at the same time, I don't, I don't worry about having my stuff stolen because – it just doesn't happen very often. It really doesn't happen as often as you think. People, like a lot of studios and big networks and production companies have too much to lose to be, to be stealing people's ideas. They just have too much to lose. And, and frankly, you know, in a lot of ways, those, those studios, are, if they see a piece of material that they think is good, they're going, to, they're going to approach the person that it came from instead of stealing it. Yeah, no, that's correct. This has been dynamite, uh, Steve. Um, it, it's kind of bringing me back to the good old days, uh, remembering when I finished my first script, um, all, the, all the process that is involved and, and so on and so forth. So um, both Chris and I want to thank you very, very much for coming on and talking about this. And I, I, I want to thank you for starting, you know, the new screenwriter.com because for folks that, that operate outside of the realm of the studio system, we're, we're always eager and looking for um, different avenues, uh, you know, different ways to approach the craft and, and, and to kind of break into the system, be it the independent world or even into the studio system. And so I think this, I just think it's dynamite what you're doing, uh, for young writers. And, uh, and I'm sure after this, if they've listened to this podcast, they can be reassured that they'll be in good hands. Before we wrap up, Chris, do you have any final questions? Because, uh, Chris, I know you're also a writer and perhaps we didn't cover something that you wanted to pick Steve's uh, no, I think what Steve had to say about discipline was probably the, the most important thing uh, that I took from it because writing the, you know, I mean, I, the only screenplay that I've really finished other than a couple of shorts was Mortal Remains. And that took me almost two years to write. I just, it was like squeezing toothpaste out of my head, you know, <laughs> trying to force these ideas down on paper uh, because it was, I think it was just, to me, the process was too slow. I had these ideas and I had to get, like Steve said, from signpost to signpost, I had to create this connective tissue. And I guess that's the hard part. And that's where uh, it's just reading everything you can get your hands on comes in because you can learn 
those those shortcuts. Uh, you can learn how to how to make a scene a little less flabby. You know. Well, then, Steve, that leads me to our final uh, segment here, which is: Do you have any words of inspiration for young writers? Uh, if you can go into it knowing that this is an exceedingly tough industry and and that you're going to have to work like a dog, then then you're going to be okay. I, I think you have to love it. I think in order to find out if you love it, you have to try it. I went to grad school, you know, knowing that I I already I already wanted to write, you know, um, I was already writing stage plays, um, but but I think ultimately, like anything, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And I've I've put a lot of hard work in over many many years, you know, that whole Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours thing. There, it, it that's definitely that's definitely uh, true for me. You know, I got better and better as I wrote more and more and I watched more and I read more. And if you're not in it for the long haul, do something else because this is a very tough industry. But if you are going to knuckle down, then create a routine for yourself every day, like eating breakfast. You have a routine for that, I'm sure. You find a, find a similar routine for your writing, even if it's an hour. And by the time you have finished that first draft, of any screenplay, you'll know whether you love it or not to keep doing it. Uh, it's hard. It, it is hard to find inspirations and believe in yourself. But what I found is a lot of the screenplays that I love to read, that I found that I love to read, it's quite obvious the person writing them really loves the story. They really love the craft of screenwriting. Um, and it's obvious on the page, you know. Um, and if you really love a story and you want to tell it, you will find that time to sit down and write it. You either will or you won't, but, you know, I, I do it every day. For instance, over the past two days, I haven't been able to write anything because I've been busy doing something else and I already have the withdrawal symptoms. So I love to do it, but I also have to do it because it's become a big part of who I am um, only because I've been writing for so many years. So if you keep working at it, the, the, uh, the rewards will come. But I will say this, don't, create a story in your head of what success looks like success does not look like walking onto a stage receiving a gold statue that that's to me that's not success um even even selling a screenplay is not necessarily success it's a bonus but when you finish that final polish of your screenplay and it's in and, and it is the best it can be that's success mm -hmm. whether you sell it or whether you win an award for it that's just a bonus of the work you've put in. Well put. Dedication is the key, folks. Dedication is the key. Steve, once again, uh, Chris and I want to thank you very, very much for coming on, for talking to us about uh, writing and TV and film. Uh, we want to wish you the best of luck with newscreenwriter.com, and uh, we hope to get you back on. Uh, we're going to be, uh, actually, you know what? We'd love to get your wife on, too. Starting in 2018, we're going to be covering the history of women in film, but we're also going to be talking to spouses of those who have who have a husband or a wife that works within the industry. Um, I'd like to get your wife's take on, you know, dealing with somebody who is up at four o'clock every morning uh, and the commitment that is involved in that. And, That's uh, uh, that. That will be heavily scripted. <laughs> Uh, but thanks once again, uh, folks. This is Mark Ritchie and my partner. Christian Stebrakis. And we are Cryptic Pictures. Uh, uh, see us in 2018, folks. Come on back. We're going to be doing the history of women in film, and we, we hope to see you then.